What is going on, everybody? Welcome back once again. Episode 12 of the District 4 Wrestling Podcast, the season finale. Can you believe that? We're already through the high school wrestling season. From the Williams Sports Sun Gazette, I am Mitch Rupert, and oh, what a weekend it was down in Hershey. Um, Still trying to figure out, after four days, what exactly happened down in the Giant Center. Um, Also been trying to maintain some kind of semblance of rest. Uh, I I don't think that I'm doing either one of those things very well. Uh, As a result, you see how late it is this, this podcast is getting put out this week, and uh, it's just for the simple fact that I'm tired, man, and and I'm sure every one of you listening along is as well, wrestlers, coaches, most definitely. It, it was a long weekend in Hershey. I still have not seen anything in Hershey other than the Giant Center and the Sheets uh, down by that, that complex down over there where, uh, you know, like McDonald's and, and Papa John's and all that stuff is. That, that's the only thing I saw in Hershey was the Giant Center and Sheets. That's pretty typical for me, though. So um, <laughs> uh, we, we've got a great show lined up for you here on the season finale. Uh, we're going to hear interviews from all three of the state champions from District 4. Uh, I, I spent time with Muncie's Joe Clock, uh, Montoursville's Gavin Hoffman, and Southern Columbia's Jarrett Lane. Uh, and I'll share with you those those conversations that I had with all three of those guys who, who all brought home gold medals. For Joe Clock, it was his first one. Montoursville's Gavin Hoffman, his third, and Southern Columbia's Jarrett Lane, his second. And even though the high school wrestling season has come to an end, we all know that the wrestling season never really ends. NHSCA's, Flow Nationals, Fargo, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Disney Duels, all that other stuff that, that goes on during the course of the offseason. So if you know of a wrestler competing at any of those events, please feel free to shoot me an email, mrupert at sungazette.com. Uh, or shoot me a message on Twitter at Mitch underscore Rupert, R-U-P-E-R-T, uh, so we can keep ca- tabs on on how those kids are doing throughout the course of the off season because we like to keep up, see how things are going. You know, it was the off season where last year where Gavin Hoffman made his biggest jump uh, and, and went to number one in the country. Uh, also, uh, I have the list of wrestlers to reach 100 wins this, this season. Uh, I have it in front of me. Uh, Luke Yonkin, O'Connor, Darren Shum, Ed Mapes of Wyalusing, uh, Cole Roan of Benton, Noah Ettinger of Midwest, Noah Stom of Milton, um, Noah Gushin, Hunter Paust of Muncie, Justin Kreiner of North Penn Liberty, Chris Horton and Nate Bradley of Athens, Noah Subsick of Chickalemi, Trevor Bingham of Mifflinburg. And if I have missed anyone, please, please, please feel free to shoot me a message so I can make sure we're updated on the District 4 100 wins database, uh, which I will get updated probably... This week, over the weekend, sometime sometime around there, I'll have a little bit of free time. Not a lot because uh, we're working on spring sports previews already, uh, but but hopefully I'll get that updated. So if you want a copy of that as well, feel free to shoot me an email. I'll be happy to send you uh, PDFs uh, of the copies. Uh, in, in this week's episode, instead of breaking down every weight class and every result of the state tournament, which could kind of just go on forever and, and be a little boring, we're going to go over a list of of some of the superlatives that I created over what I think are the most kind of newsworthy notes 
of the state tournament from District 4. Uh, we're also going to be discussing the tournament's outstanding wrestler, which was given to Jefferson Morgan's Gavin Teasdale after he became the 13th wrestler in PIAA history to win his fourth state title. Uh, I'm going to discuss kind of the process behind selecting the tournament's outstanding wrestler, uh, along with a change that I think maybe should be made that was suggested to me uh, by a coach and, and, and somebody who covers the sport as well. And, uh, and finally, two District 4 wrestlers were selected to the Pittsburgh Wrestling Classics Pennsylvania team this week, also known as the Dapper Dan. Uh, I think it will always be the Dapper Dan, uh, no matter how much they try to make it the Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic. And uh, we'll kind of break down the historical significance of those selections of Jarrett Lane and Gavin Hoffman to the PA team at the Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic. We'll talk about that, all of that, a little later. But first, we're going to start with uh, the state tournament. Um, obviously, it's it's the highlight of the season. The district tournament is my favorite tournament of the year because I think it's where so much, so many things kind of get a, a wrench thrown into them, and uh, we really see guys kind of start to separate themselves a little bit as well. Um, but the state tournament is, is, is what this is all about. You know, and I felt there were weight classes in the tournament where District 4 could be very strong, 132, obviously. Um, that, and we've been talking about that in 160 for weeks. And and I, and I think for the most part, it was, it was just an interesting weekend for District 4. In all, 24 District 4 wrestlers came home with hardware, 22 in AA and 2 in AAA, as both Nate Schoen of Sealands Grove and Josh Krieger of Shikalimi both got through that gauntlet to end up on the podium. My gut reaction is that in double A, uh, it, it was a rough first couple days for District 4. I think kind of the top tier guys who we were all expecting to win, I think they did just that. But I think there were some struggles in some other places. But but that kind of happens every year at States where you get some surprises both for the positive and for the negative. Also, we had six matches in the consolation bracket where District 4 wrestlers faced off against one another in elimination matches. And there were two more matches where it was two Northeast regional wrestlers facing off against each other in in an elimination match. Say that five times fast. Uh, So that already really narrows your field of potential state medalists by eight. If you're talking about eight wrestlers from the same region competing against one another uh, in elimination matches. So instead of going through weight by weight and discussing the performance of of each wrestler, I, I thought it was more, more fun to kind of create some superlatives from the weekend. And, you know, some, it, it was easy to create some, it wasn't so easy with others. Um, you know, the, the best weight class performance, you know, I think there were seven weight classes in which district four had multiple state place winners this year and three in which they had three, 132, 160 and 182. But the best performance was hands down at 132. You know, as we thought for the better part of the three previous weeks, Cole Roan and Joe Clock were clearly the top two guys in the state at that weight class. And on top of that, you got Sullivan County's Nathan Higley, who gave District 4 a third semifinalist Friday night. You know, I've been saying for a few weeks now to, to anybody who would listen along press row, even as Nathan Higley took some losses at sectionals, district, and regionals, I think this kid is really good. And I think he has the potential to be battling for state titles in the future. And he was that that he was getting beat up a little bit by Joe Clock and Cole Roan 
really, to me, just indicators at how good those two really were, because I really, truly believe Nathan Higley is really good. But I think my favorite part of the kids' performance at that weight was that they didn't leave a damn thing out on the mat. In every match, with all three of the kids that placed, as well as Chris Horton from Athens, you could tell that they gave everything they had when they wrestled. And that's what makes it fun. That's what made the finals between Joe Clark and Cole Roan as entertaining as there was in the AA finals. It came down to one point, a one escape point. And a week after Joe Clark couldn't escape in the two-minute second period against Cole Roan in a loss in the regional final, he was able to make the adjustments so that didn't happen again. Mostly, he did his best to keep Cole Roan from riding legs, which is something you'll hear Joe talk about in our interview here in a little bit. You know, I, I spoke with Muncie head coach Denny Hare after the match, after after Joe won his state title. And, you know, after Joe hurt his knee on the Monday after sectionals, they've really only been able to practice a couple times with him, you know, as he tried to rest his knee and make sure he was as healthy as possible. But the week leading into states, they were able to get some good work in, including on working on keeping those boots out on bottom. And that was the big thing because there were two instances where Joe Clock got on bottom. After he got the takedown in the second period, Cole Roan worked really well to get a reversal there and to get back out in front. And I thought it was crucial that Joe Clock was able to get an escape at the end of the period to tie the match up. So he was going to have an opportunity to take the lead in the third period when he chose bottom. And he was able to do that by making sure Cole Roan didn't get his boots in and ride legs on top. Also, something I thought was really important, Joe decided to wrestle without his knee brace, and it's the first question I ask him in our interview why he did that, and he said it was for more of a mental edge than anything else. You know, but I'll let him describe those circumstances. So I'll tell you what, let's just jump right into it. Here's my interview with Muncie's Joe Clock after he won the Class AA 132-pound title last weekend. You lost the knee brace. Yep. Why, why'd you decide to go that way? Uh, it was just kind of a mental edge. Last time I beat him, I didn't have the knee brace on. And it was more just something for my head than anything. I thought last week you were a little less explosive, especially on bottom. Yeah. Is, is that part of it at all? Uh, yeah, pro- I don't know. I think it was just <laughs> mental, honestly. It, like A lot of things that go into wrestling is mental. I just like to say, wrestling is 99% mental and the rest is in your head. <laughs> That's about right, though. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing, I would think, though, that maybe you have concerns or worry about the knee without out the brace. How did it feel out there as you were going? Uh, fine. Me and uh, Hunter were messing around before, warming up, and we were getting in some funky situations, and it felt fine, so I was ready to go. Tell me about the emotions just running through you right now. Uh, it's awesome. I, nothing better. Watched so many kids do it, and I was like, I want to be that guy and put in a lot of work in the offseason. Uh, Coach Denny Hare, I thought I could do anything, honestly, and I got it done. How much have you grown as a wrestler, as a person this year, just seeing what you're capable of? Uh, I've grown a lot. After last season, I was like, that's never happening again. I'm never going to walk out with the sweetest place on earth with a bitter taste in my mouth. That's what I always said. And I came out, and I just wrestled, and I'm leaving with a good taste in my mouth. Last week, we talked about when he got that left boot in, it made it hard 
to get out. You kept the boots out yeah. when, when you got on bottom. Was yes. that the key to getting out? Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so good with that left boot, and it's. Um, I don't think anyone in the state can get out of it, so just don't get, get in it, and then you don't have to worry about it. He got a little too high. You hooked yeah. the head. Were you hoping to get the, the two, maybe some back Yeah, there? I was hoping, but I settled for one. Just a smart decision in a match like that. You great mat presence, too, to get the takedown, knowing you were on the edge, pulling yeah. him back in. Tell me about kind of the, the process there of getting that takedown. Well, in a match like that, uh, points are critical, and you got to fight for every single point you get, and I wasn't going to let it slip away like that. Mm-hmm. You know a guy so well. He knows you so well. Mm-hmm. Did you still just stick with what you know, what you do? Oh, yeah, for sure. you got to make them worry about what you're going to do. Don't worry about what they're going to do. Tell me about the emotions running through your head in the immediate aftermath. Is it relief? Is it, what, what is it? Honestly, I don't even know what I did after the match. <laughs> Everything's going through your head. and you, It's just natural emotion. And you just let it all out. It's the greatest feeling ever. How much easier does it make this going into Bucknell that, that you have this accomplishment? Uh, not really. They don't care. In the collegiate level, they don't care about what you did in high school. It doesn't matter to them. They just say you're a freshman. It doesn't really matter. So I'm going to go in there with a good mentality, but I mean, no one's going to have any more respect for me. The next superlative I really want to discuss is really no secret. It was the, it, it's the, the most dominant District 4 wrestler at the state tournament. I didn't even have to think about it. In all honesty, this guy just, he wasn't just the most dominant District 4 wrestler. He was the most dominant wrestler in the entire state tournament period. I didn't look through the AAA closely enough. I'm sure Ryan Anderson from Becca High or, or Sammy Sasso at Nazareth will have something to say about this, but Gavin Hoffman may have been the most dominant wrestler in the entire state tournament, AA or AAA. But Gavin won his third state, third state title by posting two falls in the first 40 seconds of the match, as well as a pair of technical falls as well. I mean, think, think about this. Since 2000, Gavin... Hoffman's technical fall in the finals is only the seventh in the class AA tournament finals. The others have been from Gavin Teasdale. You may have heard of him. Reynolds' Matt Dunn had one in 2006. Octorera's Mike Letts had one in 2006. Juniata Valley's Garrett Scott had one in 2005. Lake Layman's Matt Dragon in 2005. And Mount Union's John Kirsch, or excuse me, Josh Kirsch in 2003. Since 2000, those are the only technical falls in the state finals. My guess is, as I was looking back through, there was probably just as many, maybe even a few more falls in the finals as there were technical falls. But to me, a technical fall shows so much more kind of dominance than a fall does um, because it, it's so easy. I don't want to say it's easy. It's not easy. It, it's It's more likely that you can catch a guy and get a fall. I mean, if we go back and look at the, the Muncie match with Southern Columbia during the regular season where Cale Hembury catches a headlock and gets a fall there. Um, you know, that's more likely to happen than you just kind of uh, catch something and get a technical fall out of it. You know, that that just doesn't happen. So I think you see a little more dominance in when kids record technical falls than, than maybe when they get a pin. But what Hoffman did was both ridiculous and expected, which is, is I mean, that's just terrifying that, that we expected this level of dominance from Gavin Hoffman. But with the way some of the best 195-pounders in the state made the move up to 220 pounds for the postseason, it left the cupboard a little bare for kind of true challengers at the state tournament for Gavin Hoffman. You know, in the semifinals when it was clear 
that his opponent was trying to do his best to keep the score close, Gavin Hoffman went to a different level. He got more physical. He kind of had to force his way uh, on his opponent and, and make something happen there because whether he'll want to admit it or not, he had a goal of trying to get a fall or a technical fall in every match that he wrestled in the postseason, which he subsequently ended up doing. But he makes everything look so easy that when he has to go to that different level where he reaches a different version of physicality, it becomes so much fun to watch. You see what makes this kid the number 195-pounder in the country. It's the quickness. It, it's the physicality. It's the creativity in his wrestling. He hit that blink of an eye duck under in the third period in that semifinal match. I mean, it's just obtuse what he did there. I mean, it's he, he's already got the match well in hand. And I think he was a little irritated. It was only 2 nothing at the end of the first period because that's not the kind of wrestler he wants to be. He doesn't want to be a guy who's only getting two points in a period. He wants to be a guy who's constantly pushing the pace, scoring points, and making things happen. So it got to a point where he was just showing how dominant he could be. And when he hit that duck under, man, it was quick. It was fast. And it turned into two points in a real hurry. You know, the first thing I asked Gavin Hoffman about in our interview is if he ever expected this kind of career for himself. I mean, for as good as he was in his career, he became Lycoming County's first three-time state champion, District Force, first time three, first three-time state champion since Mike Shingara in 1997, and he finishes with the second-most wins in district history with 176 just six behind Jarrett Lane's 182. For as good as he's been, and for as good as he was coming up through junior high in PJWs, even Gavin said he could never have expected this. We thought maybe a couple state titles were possible, and that was something I talked about with Montoursville head coach Jamie Yonkin, that you knew he was just different from the day he got into the room. You know, there was just something different about him. Just the things he was capable of on a wrestling mat. And you thought, maybe there's a couple state titles in this kid. But a four-time state medalist, a three-time state champion, 176 wins. You, I mean, you're just, you're just asking to be let down if that's something you expect from a kid. And even Gavin said he, he never could have expected this. So check out my interview with, with Montoursville's Gavin Hoffman and, and the things he had to say about his career and about the tournament and, uh, uh, and everything else that went on this weekend. Check it out. Before the top hat your freshman year, before you wrestled your first match, I'm yeah. sure you don't remember this, Jamie brought you over to me mm. at the table and said, Mitch, I just want to introduce you to Gavin. I think you guys are going to end up talking quite a bit. Yeah. Before, at that moment, could you have imagined? Oh, thank you. Could you have imagined your career would have gone this way? No, I, honestly, to say, when I was before I even stepped out on the mat at uh, Williamsport for Top Hat, if someone would have told me that I would have been a four-time medalist and you know three-time state champ, like all these things I succeeded throughout my high school career, I would just say you're crazy. Uh, you know, it's, it wasn't that I didn't think I had the potential to do that. It was just. I wasn't, my mind wasn't right. I just didn't think that I could accomplish all this, but 
once uh, once I had so much support and you know my eyes opened up that this could be a reality. I can set records. I can win multiple state championships. So I just kept working towards that. And I mean, with along this work came so many just great people that surrounded me, my family, my friends, uh, especially my coaches. Every coach I've had throughout my career, they just all had a positive impact on what I just did here today. So I have a lot to be thankful for. I'm thankful for everyone that's been along with me on these four years. With the first state title that you won yeah. and realizing what was possible ahead of you, did it change the way you train? Did it change the way you prepare? Yeah. Did it change your mindset? Yeah. Uh, you know, after my freshman year, I didn't. I took sixth, and I was I was hungry for more. Uh, going into my sophomore year, I went up. I think two weight classes. I stopped cutting weight. I felt a lot better. And when I won that state title, it was like, like I realized that, like I'm starting to get really good, and that it was kind of built to my fire. Just winning my first state championship, it was like I won my first. Oh, thank you. And then. It was just I won my first one, and then I just wanted more. I wanted every year I just wanted to widen the gap between me and everyone in the state, like, a little bit more every year. And, like, I was working. I've been working so hard, you know, in season, out of season, just just training to get not really finding, like, what wrestler I am, but just finding, knowing my worth, just seeing the person, knowing who I am off the mat, knowing who I am on the mat. And just just finding myself. You talked about wanting to widen the gap. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to put up a technical fall in the finals yeah. of the Pennsylvania State Tournament. Yeah. Is that what you strive for to get to that level where you could do those kinds of things? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, last year, I uh, I tech pulled everyone until my finals match where I had a very tough opponent, and that's understandable. There's no way I was gonna you know tech fall him. He's a great competitor. I'm, so glad he won his first state championship today but you know this year it was it was a reality when he I was expecting to wrestle Anthony again but when he moved up it was like okay let's see just let's see how like how many just see the like how I can like inspire people through my wrestling and just be the main focus of the event just every, be the person that everyone wants to watch because in every second I'm attacking, I'm always shooting, I'm always looking to score. I'm never, I'm never letting the gas pedal up. So going into this tournament, I just wanted to be the person that, you know, everyone's looking to watch and everyone, you know, has their eyes on. Forever, your name is going to sit alongside yeah. a Tom Best, a Luke Fry, and Isaiah Britton in the lures of District 4 wrestling as yeah. four-time place winners. What does that mean to you? Uh, that means it means everything to me. Uh, I was growing up. I was Luke was my huge role model. I always wanted to be like. I always wanted to be like Luke. I always wanted to, you know, come here at Hershey. You know, he won his freshman year. I wanted to do that. I wanted to do exactly what he did. But they've all been, you know, great role models. Uh, just having someone from my high school like Luke accomplish what he did, it kind of showed me that even though that we don't have as much we don't have as much resources as other schools we're homegrown we don't recruit we don't we're just a bunch of hard workers who me like Wyatt everyone that's with me today we've all grown up together wrestling so it's a very special group but 
him winning states and having success, it made me realize that, like, it doesn't matter where you come from, you know, like, who you are, you can succeed at any level that you put your mind to through hard work, so having someone that, someone like him to look up to was huge, and it really shaped me into the wrestler I am today, and just to be, you know, just having a name in history with him and so many other great people that came through District 4, it just means everything to me. Uh, yeah, I just extremely grateful. I don't know that I've seen a wrestler who's as workmanlike as Jarrett Lane is in the last few years. I'm going to bring up a name here a little later that he kind of reminds me of. And trust me, I know the absurdity in what I'm about to say. But there, there there's some similarities that makes me think this way. You know, Jarrett Lane, he, he's not usually flashy in what he does, but he can be when he needs to be. Just look at the elevator that he hit in the District Duels Finals against Muncie when Southern Columbia had to have a fall in the in the first match uh, of the or the first bout of the match. They had to have a fall, and he was only working on a major decision with about a minute to go, and he hits a big move to get it. Or that ridiculously filthy chin whip that he's gone to multiple times this season. He can be that big move guy when he has to be. But he's so workmanlike in the things he does. And that was kind of the superlative I thought of for him. The, the most workmanlike performance from a District 4 wrestler I thought came from Jarrett Lane over the course of the weekend. He reminds me a lot of a kid by the name of Zane Rutherford. That every time he steps on the mat, you know he's better than 99% of the people who are going to step on the line across from him. He's, had, he, he's done that kind of preparation to make sure he's that good when he steps on the mat. He's done the preparation to make sure he's ready to handle any situation when he steps on the mat. It's just a matter of how he's going to win. He's going to, to be solid in everything that he does. He's not going to make mistakes. And that's why my superlative for Jarrett Lane was that he was the most workmanlike. Sure, he got a first-round fall, but then it was just... A, a dominating performance against the returning state place winner, Anthony Glazel. Then he dominated eventual fifth place finisher, Zach Whitmer. And finally, it was taking the best shots that Chase Shields had to throw at him in the state final and turning them away. More times than not, Jarrett Lane isn't going to give you a sexy highlight that shows up on TV, but he's going to get the job done. He's going to finish it with a fall. He's going to finish it with bonus points somehow. And he's going to get there by being technically sound. He's surprisingly strong. He doesn't look like he's he's ripped. But if you look at some of those pictures, when he was flexing after winning his second state title on Saturday, the kid's put together pretty well. He's strong. And he got the job done in the finals against the best that Chase Shields had to throw at him. In an article that was written on Penn Live on Wednesday, uh, kind of wrapping up the state tournament and looking at some various things, uh, in the Harrisburg area from from those wrestlers, there was a brief snippet about Chase Shields where the headline just said, he wrestled his ass off. And, and whoever wrote that, whoever wrote that headline is absolutely right. But for every time that Chase Shields hit a duck under to try and get in deep or he got to a knee, Jarrett Lane had an answer. He held on to his one-point lead in the third period and even though there were some moves that got some oohs and ahs from the fans, from me included, 
he just never gave up that point. He was going to win the state title if it was the last thing he ever did. Sure enough, he did. One of the things I asked Jared about in our interview was if he had to prepare differently for Chase Shields because it was the third consecutive season they had met in the state tournament. The last two years have both been in the finals. When Jarrett was a sophomore, Shields was a freshman. They met in the quarterfinals of the state tournament. I also asked him about a match he had in Hershey four years ago with Gavin Teasdale, and if that ever gets brought up, and I, I liked his answer there. So just take a listen to my interview with Jarrett Lane from Southern Columbia, who won his second state title over the weekend, and just what he thought and what he said about now being the head of the Lane family as the only one with two state titles in hand. Check out my interview with Jarrett Lane. First off, just the stress level that comes with, after winning one, trying to win another one. Um, I don't really try to focus on that kind of stuff, all the pressure, but it's definitely it's definitely there. I might not show it all the time, but it was definitely winning. Winning the second one was definitely harder than winning the first one. What made it so much more difficult? Just being that guy on the top that everyone's trying to chase and knock off, and that's always in the back of your mind when you're in the room every day and you just got to work harder and harder and think about those guys that are coming for you and just keep working and working and try and beat them. Chase Shields is a guy you wrestled, I think, three years in a row down here. Do you have to adjust your game plan with, with things he's doing or do you just have to stick with what you know? I just kind of pretty – I don't really game plan for a lot of matches. I just go out and try and focus on doing whatever I'm good at doing. I don't really focus on this guy does this, this guy does that. I think – people more game plan for me than I game plan for them and I just go out there and whatever happens happens. When you know a guy that well do you know that there are things that you like to do that you can get to? Um, not specifically I just kind of hit what's there. I can hit almost anything I have to but he went for that duck and I felt it coming I just dropped out quick to the single and got the takedown. That's the first time I took him down out of three matches. That's uh, He got in on a couple deep shots and you were able to, to wiggle out of it pretty quick. Did you have a feel for, for what he was going for, what he was setting up? Um, we work in those positions every day, and me and Patrick, we just get in there, not specifically for anybody, just specific positions and just working through and play wrestling and going through every different scenario, and that's really important, working through those kinds of things for those big matches, because you know those good guys are going to come out firing, firing their offense, and you just got to be prepared for whatever they throw at you. For the better part of two years, you've kind of been on cruise control. I mean, just really kind of running through your opponents. At Escape the Rock, you had the setback in the final. How much did that help you kind of reset, refocus everything? Um, not as much as just reset and refocus. It just kind of skipped right over that. I kind of <laughs> forgot about it. But, like, he didn't he didn't even place in AAA. He went one and two. And I think that's just kind of a little bit of a style clash between me and him. And I have a state goal. I'm happy about it. That's just a bump in the road. I do want to take you back to your freshman year, especially now seeing after Gavin Teasdale wins his fourth title and you hit that headlock and you had him on his back. Do you ever think about that and how history could have changed that day? Somehow comes up every day. <laughs> Someone or something, something sparks in, it comes up every day. But it's in the past. I'm happy with what I did and no regrets. At that moment, did you know the significance of who you were wrestling at that moment? Yeah. I mean, he's four-time state champ, and 
everyone was thinking it was going to happen, and he accomplished it, and it's all in the past. It's whatever. So much you've accomplished in your career, 182 wins, I think now, two state gold medals. Tell me about the satisfaction, if there is any, with your career and how this can propel you into Lehigh. It's great. I mean, every kid dreams about coming down here, winning a state gold medal and getting two. Never thought it was possible, but it happened, so. Do you, do you look at your dad now and say, I have one more? I will. Absolutely. <laughs> and my brother. I'm going to rub it in their faces every day. That sounds like fun, Jared. Appreciate it, man. Congratulations. Thank thanks, thanks for all you did. Too. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I wanted to take a minute or two to talk about a couple of other important happenings that I saw in Hershey over the weekend. First, big shout out to Bloomsburg's Matt Milbrand, who put together a fantastic tournament at 138 pounds to finish in third place. He kind of got my superlative as, I think, the most surprising result from District 4 over the course of the weekend. This is a kid who was a state qualifier as a sophomore two years ago, then basically had his junior year stolen from him because of an injury. He came back this year, wrestled like the kid that we knew he was. He was the District 4 runner-up to Milton's Noah Stom uh, before reversing that decision and winning a Northeast Regional title the next week. He kept that train rolling right into the state tournament, too. Became the first Bloomsburg wrestler to reach the state semifinal since Tyler Coombe in 2008, back when Tyler Coombe was about a 225-pound heavyweight and ended up finishing fourth in the state. And even after dropping a decision to Caleb Downing in the semifinals, Milbrand won a pair of consolation bouts to take third place. He is the highest finishing state place winner from Bloomsburg since Jeremy Gross took third place in two, 2007 at 215 pounds. So really just congratulations to Matt on a tremendous tournament, a tremendous senior year. He made the most of his last opportunity down at the state tournament, and, and it was a fantastic run. You know, one he and, uh, you know, head coach Bill Freeman and assistant Denny Mertz, one they should be really proud of because they clearly had that kid prepared for the postseason and, and the grind that came with it because uh, he put on his best wrestling over the last couple weeks of the season. So congratulations to Bloomsburg's Matt Milbrand. Also, we had some history accomplished with a pair of NTL wrestlers at the state tournament. With his sixth-place finish, Nathan Higley became Sullivan County's first-ever state-place winner. And he got there in incredible fashion, too. I mean, it was, it was so much fun to watch. He hit a big four-point move in the second period of his quarterfinal, and he was able to upset third-ranked Bodie Tolbert of Bishop McDevitt and reach the 132 semifinals. Uh, in, a, in an outcome that I don't think anybody outside of Sullivan County expected. And I don't even know that some people inside Sullivan County could have expected that. Bodie Tolbert's had a, a, a tremendous season. You know, he had a, made, or a really good run at the end of last year, I think, to get on the podium and had been ranked pretty high all year, was ranked third heading into the state tournament. He had a lead on on Nathan Higley into the the second period there, and, and Higley hit a four-point move, man. He got one of those elevators, just flipped Tolbert right over, was able to get two and two. And when Tolbert took bottom in the third period, Higley rode him hard, man. That That's the work that comes from wrestling the caliber of competition he did over the previous three weeks. You know, I learned all I needed to know about Nathan Higley back in January when after his win over Devin Pikevich at the South Williamsport Tournament, I asked Nathan, I said, 
about the possibility? Have you thought about the possibility of being the first place winner, state place winner in your school's history? And he was already talking about being the school's first state champion instead. You know, state place winner, yeah, that's great and fine and dandy and everything. I want to be the school's first state champion. Another thing he pointed out to me and Hershey was that he had a chance to move up or down a weight class. You know, if he really wanted to, that's something he could have done for the postseason was move up or down a weight class considering he knew how loaded 132 was going to be. But he decided to stay there because he knew that wrestling that kind of competition was only going to make him a better wrestler in the future. He knows what lays ahead. He spent the postseason in those dogfights with Devin Pickavich, Chris Horton, Cole Rohn, and Joe Clock. And he knows they're all graduating this year. He knows he's he knows he's going to be better off for those battles. And I seriously don't think it's out of the question to think that one day we're talking about the potential of Nathan Higley being Sullivan County's first state champion. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. The North Penn Liberty program has gone through a handful of name variations in recent years as the North Penn School in Blossburg has closed and the co-op agreements were kind of figured out. Uh, but now it's a combination of the Liberty High School and Mansfield High School students. Heavyweight Justin Kreiner gave North Penn Liberty its first state place winner when he finished fifth at 285 pounds for the Mounties. And he had just a tremendous tournament. Just a, a really well-executed, well-wrestled tournament for head coach Eric Pequinot. And he just put it all together. He got into those one-point matches, which he gets into all the time, which is causing his coach to lose his hair and have heart attacks in, in the seats. And But that's just where, where Justin Kreiner feels comfortable. He's wrestled those matches all his life. But more than just being the program's first state place winner, and Liberty High School has had state place winners before, He's the first Mansfield student, because Justin Kreiner attends Mansfield High School, the first Mansfield student to ever place in the state wrestling tournament. This is a kid who had to cut 40 pounds before the season even started just to make weight after football season. He did it through completely changing his diet. He did it by increasing his workouts, doing a lot of running, and after a rough start to the season, which included a loss to, to Owen Marriott of, of Northeast Bradford, he found his footing as a wrestler. After two seasons of coming up one win shy of qualifying for the state tournament, he finally got to Hershey and he made his most of the champ. His only losses in the state tournament came to Bishop, Bishop McCoy and Josiah Jones, the eventual second and third place finishers in the state tournament, and both of them came by one point each. It was just a tremendous, a smart, wrestled state tournament for Justin Kreiner. Now, as I talk to him after the tournament, he hopes that maybe he can serve as a role model of the work that has to be put in to not only reach the state tournament, but to stand on the podium there as well. He wants to be a role model for the wrestlers coming through the North Penn Liberty program and for wrestlers coming from Mansfield to show them that it can be done. The discussion of the tournament's outstanding wrestler became a hot topic on Sunday and Monday following the tournament on, in, in different social media circles. I think the kind of the general consensus was that nobody had a problem 
with Gavin Teasdale being awarded the Class AA Outstanding Wrestler Award kind of as a career achievement for winning his fourth state championship. That's kind of always pretty much been the case with the Outstanding Wrestler. It generally goes to a wrestler winning his third or fourth state title unless something utterly wild happens, like Austin DeSanto beating three-time world champ Spencer Lee or Brian Courtney beating three returning state champions on his way to a championship. But the discussion regarding the award kind of hinged on one question uh, as I followed it over the course of Sunday and Monday. Was Gavin Teasdale truly the outstanding wrestler of the tournament? And for most that I've talked to and the most that responded to the tweet that I had about it, they didn't really feel that he was. And that's not a knock on Teasdale. The kid accomplished something only 12 others in the history of the state of Pennsylvania have accomplished by winning four state championships. And he did it in quite fine fashion as well. Technical fall, two major decisions, and a 2 nothing win in the finals over Saucon Valley's Joshua Jones, who was an absolute stud. The argument kind of seemed to be more in favor of giving the award to Montoursville's Gavin Hoffman. I think we're all kind of a little biased here. You know, you want to see the kid that you know earn that kind of award. We all know how dominant Gavin Hoffman is. He did win the award for the most falls in the the least amount of time. And his tournament was easily the most dominant of anybody's in the entire Class AA field. Two falls in under 40 seconds and two technical falls. And whatever argument you want to make for him, I'm not going to argue against. I completely understand that way of thinking. I have zero problems with that way of thinking. If you want to make an argument for Thane Lawrence, for upsetting state champion Justin McCoy at 152 pounds, I won't argue with that one either. In fact, on my ballot, had I been around to fill it out, I would have had Thane Lawrence at number one and Gavin Hoffman at number two. If only because I thought Thane Lawrence's final two wins which came over the second and third place finishers at his weight, just carried a little more weight than the competition that Gavin Hoffman may have faced in the tournament. But in this discussion, I think there's a, it's important to note there's kind of a flaw in the voting system. The median in attendance on Saturday of the tournament is handed a ballot with two voting spots on it at the start of both the AA and AAA finals, and you're supposed to write in your top two choices on the ballot. For the life of me, I couldn't tell you if I've ever turned in a ballot in 15 years of covering the tournament. I'm sure there's plenty of other writers like me or who, who are too busy just up and around, running, talking to kids and coaches, watching matches, and you just never get back to your seat to fill it out. I, I've probably cast more ballots for the AAA Outstanding Wrestler than I have for the AA Outstanding Wrestler because usually I'm just sitting at my seat as the AAA is going on, writing my stories. And then there's probably plenty of other writers who probably only vote for the kids from their area because maybe they just don't follow the tournament as closely. If they're if it's not their kid, maybe they don't follow what's going on with Justin McCoy and Thane Lawrence. I know that's how it was the first couple of years I covered the state tournament. I didn't know everybody else from the state, and there's still some guys from the state who surprised me because I don't know them as as well as I probably should, but I do my best during the course of the year to kind of educate myself and, and figure out who the best wrestlers are and what's an upset and what's not an upset. So there's different flaws in the voting process. If you ask me if you wanna if you want to select an outstanding wrestler and you want to use the media to do that, 
maybe you gather a committee of four or five guys led by Tom Elling. You know, Tom Elling is he's Pennsylvania's wrestling historian. He's an intelligent guy, um, you know, just a, a super wrestling fan and a super ambassador for the sport. Get him together, pick a committee, and then you, you all gather up at some point and you select the outstanding wrestler. There was an idea proposed to me by Brock Height, who uh, uh, he, he kind of sent me a, a response to to what my ballot would have looked like had I gotten a chance to figure it out. And I think it, it's something that I can get behind as, as long as we do it the right way. And that idea is to have two separate awards to be handed out at the state tournament. Maybe one you name after a great Pennsylvania wrestler of the past. Maybe like Kerry Colat, who's still considered one of the best high school wrestlers in, in the history of the country. And maybe you, you, you take that award and you hand it out as kind of a career achievement award for, for somebody who's winning their third or fourth state championship. And then you have a separate award to be given to the actual outstanding wrestler of the tournament. Is it a perfect idea? No. And there's lots of holes in that idea that you'd really have to sit down and kind of think it through to make sure you're doing it the right way. But it's an idea. Maybe it's something that, that, that we need to explore moving further down the road. Finally this week, two District 4 wrestlers were selected to represent Pennsylvania at the prestigious Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic at the University of Pittsburgh on March 25th. No real surprise, but Gavin Hoffman, the top-ranked 195-pounder in the country, was selected to the team, as was Jarrett Lane, who just became District 4's all-time wins leader and won his second state title. He'll wrestle one of the two matches at 120 pounds for the event. Hoffman's going to take on Michigan's Brandon Whitman, who's a North Carolina recruit and ranked third in the country at 195 pounds. The two actually met in the semifinals of the 2016 Super 32 with Hoffman winning 5-4 to four on a last-second escape. Jarrett Lane's going to face Illinois' Joey Melendez at 120 pounds. These two actually faced each other, uh, I found online, in Fargo about five or six years ago with Melendez winning 10-9. to nine. But, of course, that's freestyle. <laughs> and it was like five years ago, so that holds zero relevance to what's going to happen between those two on that Sunday afternoon at the University of Pittsburgh. But this is going to be the 10th time in the 44 history of the Dapper Dan slash Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic, that District 4 has had two wrestlers compete at the event against the nation's best wrestlers. Also, Gavin Hoffman becomes the first Montoursville wrestler to ever be selected for the event. And Jarrett Lane is the third from Southern Columbia, joining Jerry Marks in 1988 and P.J. Sargent in 1999. They are the 39th and 40th wrestlers from District 4 overall to be selected to the Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic or Dapper Dan. I should just call it the Dapper Dan. In the previous 38 selections, District 4 wrestlers have an 18, 19, and 1 record. And only once has District 4 had three wrestlers selected to the event. That was back in 1991 when John Hughes, Russ Hughes, and Jeff Walter were all selected to the event. That's a pretty solid group. And three times District 4 wrestlers have been selected as Pennsylvania's outstanding wrestler. Montgomery's Ty Hall was given the award in 1980. Shikalimi's Tony Reed received it in 1985. And Benton Zane Rutherford earned it in 2013 after beating Anthony Ashnold. So Gavin Hoffman and Jarrett Lane 
will be the two newest representatives for District 4 at the Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic. I think that's going to do it for this episode and this season of the District 4 Wrestling Podcast. I, I can't thank everyone enough for taking the time to listen week in and week out to the tune of nearly 4,500 listens in just 11 episodes leading into this last one. To me, that's remarkable. Uh, I don't do any promotion other than than on Twitter and on Facebook, and I will say it has been a labor of love. There have been a lot of times when I've sat down and it's taken me two days to write the script because it's something I, I just don't want to do and I'd rather be out doing something else, but I'm thankful every day that I found the sport of wrestling 15, 16 years ago and that the wrestling family has accepted me as one of their own. It has truly been so much fun, fun to be around and it only keeps getting better and better every year. So thank you to everybody who has taken the time throughout the course of the season to sit down and listen to either a whole episode or just parts of the episodes or, or interviews with someone you're interested in. I don't care how, how much, how little you listen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And I'm also thankful to every wrestler, coach, and media member who's taken the time to do an interview for the show. It's because because of you who makes the show worth listening to. I mean, nobody wants to sit here and listen to me talk to myself for 60 minutes week in and week out. So I appreciate everybody who's taken the time to jump on the phone or do an interview at an event with me uh, so we can put it here on the podcast. You are what makes this show go and, and what makes this show worth listening to. So with that... For the final time in the 2017-2018 season, thank you for listening to the District 4 Wrestling Podcast. From the Williamsport Sun Gazette, I'm Mitch Rupert, and we'll talk to you all later. Have a good one.